Archivers made possible by a grant from Humanities Kansas. Direct from CBS News Election Headquarters in New York, this is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. We begin this episode of Archiver on November 3rd, 1964. Good evening from our CBS News Election Headquarters in New York, from which we are originating uh, this CBS News Evening, uh, Evening News program. Today, it's impossible to imagine election night without television, but in 1964, TV coverage was in its infancy. It was in black and white, of course, an all-male affair as well, but surprisingly, the format hasn't changed much. Cronkite reading results, analysis from Harry Reasoner and Roger Mudd, even live shots from various election headquarters, although live shot as a term of art had yet to be coined, and there were early predictions. And now with the polls still open throughout most of the United States, through our uh, CBS, IBM vote profile analysis, we are able to say that Lyndon Johnson is the probable winner uh, in Kentucky, the first state to be recorded on our board for Lyndon Johnson tonight. It was the first but would not be the last as Johnson beat Republican Arizona Senator Barry Goldwater in a landslide. LBJ got 61 percent of the vote. Goldwater carried only six states, his home state of Arizona, and a chunk of the old Confederacy. Johnson even won Bob Dole's Kansas. We've also got a call on uh, Kansas, where uh, vote profile analysis finally has come to a decision there, uh, indicating that President Johnson will pull in about 55 percent of the vote in Kansas. That uh, was a good fight uh, right until a few minutes ago when finally precincts came in from uh, Wichita and the Western Plains. Out on the Western Plains, Roger Mudd mentioned a young congressman seeking his third term was bucking the Democratic onslaught. Bob Dole was about to be reelected, and the national profile of the man from Russell was about to increase. From 1961 on, he certainly was looking at the Senate almost immediately. He was not going to be content uh, like some people in Kansas have been to stay their career in the House of Representatives. The podcast is Archiver, The Man from Russell, Episode 4, Ambition, Me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. It was essentially over at 547 Central Time when NBC made the call that Johnson won. CBS soon followed with Cronkite interviewing LBJ. You've certainly racked up an uh, um, immense uh, majority here tonight, uh, the, the uh, heaviest uh, undoubtedly since President Roosevelt defeated Alf Landon in 1936, and it looks like it may go to a record majority. It must give you a great deal of satisfaction, sir. Well, we'll, ha we'll have to see, Walter. I'm, I'm good, to, good to hear you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. President Lyndon Johnson at Austin, Texas, where he's been receiving this report of a landslide victory tonight. But in western Kansas, things were much, much tighter. Dole was in a close race with a relatively unknown Democrat named Bill Bork. How close was it? So close that Dole barely won his home county of Russell and lost nearby Saline County. In the end, he was reelected 51 to 49 percent, a margin of about 5,000 votes in the 58-county 1st District. The Salina Journal said the morning after the election, the race may have been so close because of what it called dissatisfaction with Dole's farm policies. But the razor-thin wind kept Dole on the path he'd been thinking about for years. I'm here with archive historian Virgil Dean. Also, almost from the beginning, uh, you get the sense that Bob Dole is not going to be happy 
spending the rest of his political life in the House of Representatives. And he is quite aggressive in trying to place himself on a national platform. I really have come, become more and more convinced that that's the case uh, as I look more and more in his life. And, of course, because of his wartime injuries, he refocused his whole life and comes to the decision consciously, according to what he's written, that politics was his main, going to be his main outlet. And he approached politics like he did sports. And it was, it was comp- the competitiveness is why he becomes, I think, partly bec- why he becomes so partisan, because that's how you play politics. Uh, but early on, it, it's interesting that in 1960, when he's first elected, people were already, already knew that Kansas was going to lose a congressional seat, even before the Supreme Court's one-man-one-vote rulings that have an impact. They knew Kansas was more than likely going to go down to five congressional representatives, and everybody knew that the area of the state that would lose would be the western part. And so Dole actually commented, well, uh, somebody asking about how he would feel about running from such a huge district, which they were saying at the time might include 50 counties. It ended up in including 58 counties. And Dole's comment was, well, if somebody can carry 50 counties in Kansas, half the counties, he might be able to carry the whole state. And he <laughs> says that in a comment to a reporter, I think Topeka Capital uh, Journal reporter, or Daily Capital reporter, in 1961. So right after he gets into the House, I think you can immediately see he's looking looking ahead. Dole was now a bit of a rising star in the GOP after surviving the LBJ landslide, and he had a lot of agitating to do against the Johnson administration. To say the Democrats dominated the 89th Congress when it convened in 1965 is like saying the Yankees dominated baseball. Of course they did. They held a two-to-one advantage in both houses, and LBJ's Great Society was well on its way to passing, but not without opposition from Dole. In a letter to a constituent in Stockton just north of Hayes in Rooks County, Dole wrote, you may be assured of my opposition to most of the Great Society programs. To a group of young Republicans in Wichita, he warned, Johnson's plan would make America the land of plenty. Owe plenty, tax plenty, and spend plenty. He called it the Great Anxiety. You can almost hear him saying it on a late-night talk show. But he was conflicted by part of the Civil Rights Act of 1966. He was a supporter of uh, most civil rights legislation. But he opposed what essentially is what we call now fair housing. Uh, and why do you think that is? I don't know all the insider reasons, and knowing Bob Dole, there probably were some. That's Emporia State University political scientist Michael Smith. He knew that the Republican constituency had realigned, or what I should say not had, was in the process of realigning to include a lot of people that were skeptical or opposed to civil rights, and at the same time, as an old-school, non, you know, non-Southern politician, he had an inclination to support it. I think in his mind, we can render our judgments, okay? 
Um, but I think in his mind, it was probably about, first of all, politics, um, but also um, about what are the limits on government here. In the civil rights movement in the late 60s and early 70s, really, to use a term that's become fashionable today, they pivoted. Um, and instead of these sort of procedural rights, how about we not have thugs with guns at the polls preventing us from voting? How about we stop the lynchings? How about we stop officially segregating schools? To this activist agenda, housing, school desegregation, moving into the cities of the North, including Kansas City, Topeka, and Wichita, uh, that was where a lot of people that were early on, when it comes to procedural rights, they would support civil rights, but as it gets to be more activist, uh, government really reaching into the communities and saying, look, 15 years after Brown v. Board of Education, you're still segregated. We're going to have to have action by government, not just a benign neglect to fix this. That, if you're Bob Dole, that crosses the line from civil rights into activist government. And he was a Republican who said he wanted to hold the line on that. And I have a feeling that was probably pretty popular with the people who voted for him, too. Do you think that taints his record on civil rights in any way? I think that if you were Bob Dole, you were not contradicting yourself. I think the way we see it today, there's more work to do. So I guess we could say that Dole took civil rights up to a certain point and then said, all right, that's enough. Dole would vote for the Voting Rights Act in 1965, but he spent most of his time voting against LBJ's Great Society. As we talked about in the last episode, while he voted yes on voting rights in the 89th Congress, he voted against fair housing. He also voted against creating the Housing and Urban Development Department, aimed at improving housing in cities. He voted no on federal funding for elementary and secondary education, although most of the Kansas delegation voted yes. He even voted against establishing Medicare and Medicaid, but so did most of his Kansas colleagues. However, Dole would take a leading role in some hunger programs now that his house seat was safe. There is a man in Washington, D.C. He's everything a congressman should be. Bob Dole is his name. He's a dedicated man who serves both you and me. Let's re-elect Bob Dole. Keep Bob on the job. If the 1964 campaign was a nail-biter for the man from Russell, the 1966 campaign was a cakewalk. He beat a woman named Bernice Hinkle from Great Bend, the wife of former Kansas Lieutenant Governor Joseph Hinkle, with almost 70% of the vote. Now, Dole could seriously think about his next political move. That's on the next episode of Archiver, The Man from Russell. Archiver is produced by Virgil Dean and Scott Richardson in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. Archiver is made possible with a grant from Humanities Kansas and is a production of Do Good Productions, where Gene Johnson is executive producer. Thanks to the staff at the Dole Institute at the University of Kansas. I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver. <laughs>